Okay. Start recording. Go live. Ah, ready. Good evening, everyone. We're starting early. Hello. Sunday, November the 26th, 2023. It's almost 8 p.m. Toronto time, New York time, Eastern Standard Time. This is the Fakeologist Show. We do this show Sunday through Thursday around 8 to 8.30 p.m. And we talk about media fakery, 9-11, coronavirus hoax. We talk about um, uh, just about anything you can think of when it comes to fakery and the deception and we get into all kinds of stuff. And tonight we have uh, IPS of IPS.Monster, Infinite Plane Society, Infinite Plane Radio on. I thought I'd have Tim on for two reasons. One, my uh, other guest canceled because he was sick. So Tim Osmond, I always uh, always see if he can come on. Uh, he's always good for a, for a, a last-minute pinch or just a regular scheduled uh, show. Either way, he's very flexible, and I really appreciate his flexibility and coming on at the last minute. So we have a lot in common. I'm a big fan of IPS, IPS.Monster and Infinite Plane Radio because... Tim is just about the only guy out there that really talks about big picture issues and items. And he is a big fan of technology. He's always trying new things and he always gets me thinking and he's always ex trying to expand and on a shoestring, no doubt. And he is uh, pretty much value for value, user supported. He doesn't take sponsorships or advertisements. So he is... Uh, He's what we call real grassroots, I would say, radio for the most part. Um, and he has a pretty big audience, as you can see, as they start streaming into the uh, the Restream studio. So, uh, Tim, welcome back to the show. <laughs> hey, thank you for having me on, especially now during this downtime. Yeah. It's nice to kind of catch up on things. There's a lot happening, as always. Well, that's why I wanted to have you on, because I, I am a patron, Patreon of um, IPS, so I got the bulletin that said you were down, you were uh, cut off from your internet, and I, I assume it's just financial more than anything else, so I thought, well, your last two shows were just fantastic, I thought, and uh, they're both epic shows, two-hour shows, Infinite Plane, Saturn Day, of last week and the liquefaction of reality. Sometimes you just have these really outstanding shows. I don't know if it's the callers, it's the theme, uh, but for the most part, you're always riffing on your own, which is very hard to do in radio and make any sense. So I, I just actually posted those both on FacoTube. I just take my favorite shows and put them on there so my audiences can discover them if they don't know where to find the uh, Infinite Plane oh. show. You're doing clips, which are great. You're doing clips. Like, here's uh, IPS talking about how many drills were actually being conducted on 9-11. And those clips in isolation are important because we're doing these long-form streams, and you can't expect everybody to tap in for three hours. So I'm glad that you're mining for the gold. I do, I do. When I, when I, a lot of the times I don't know when to start. Sometimes I think I'll go back and do this clip. And then I forget to go back. So what I try to do now, as soon as I hear something I want to clip, I just start over from the beginning. 
and then start recording, and then I have to figure out a good time to stop the recording. So, yeah, about five, ten minutes at the most. But, yeah, the last two shows, uh, two of the three shows that I listened to, I, I just posted, just now I posted the whole thing because I figured they're they're all worth listening to uh, all the way through if anyone has the time. So, yeah, I, I have done many clips, and, uh, yeah, you do a lot of... Um, my you you do a lot of uh uh clips yourself on your own show and you bring them in and you put them i think on your minds account so people can find them if they're looking for them as well oh yeah i try to keep a steady record of all the links we talk about and you know lately it's become clear to me that the mass media is turning on its immune system and i saw this thing coming out called the mental immunity project and it's being promoted on all the leftist blogs mental immunity from mind viruses and i'm like wait a minute this is insane because um, we've been talking about this transformation from the virus into the mind virus and thought crimes and they're there but one of the things they said is they were worried about a quote culture of disbelief on the internet yeah and i'm like that's us that's really us that they're worried about and uh, they call whatever they don't like whatever doesn't fit the party lines they call it hate speech which is uh, going to be just about anything and everything you can think of. I mean, the number one hate speech, of course, is anyone that questions the official narrative of the Holocaust. And that's a big one. And I've never really got into it too much. And I don't think you talk about it too much overall. Uh, but there's a whole segment of people that talk about it, defend it. And because Israel is now in the, at the top of the news cycle... There's a lot of people like me that are learning about it again, all over again. It's not a topic I really want to get into too much. Uh, apparently, it's now criminal. It's in the criminal code in Canada as of this year. They slipped it in in an omnibus bill because they were too cowardly to put it out on its own. They so they just they rolled it in with some other bill that nobody really noticed. And I believe now it's criminal to question, I don't know, these, just some of the details of the Holocaust. And, uh, you know, people well, might, yeah, that's going to happen everywhere. It's already illegal, of course, in Germany. But something. The problem with that is, mm-hmm. to me, it's not about the issue itself, it's about how the issue has been commandeered by a very specific interest group who yeah. don't see everything as fake, but just this one thing. And everything else is real. So they're not even close to the truth, even though they may have some idea about the level of fakery in the world. So it's not even a subject you can go into because it's been dominated by this controlled opposition this entire time. And none of the people who are focused on that recognize the bigger level of fakery. I've been calling this the forest and the trees, where a lot of truthers lose the fact that there's a sidewar, that the fakery is very widespread because they focus on one or two key issues and yes. those issues to me are usually just worthless as far as getting the big picture view because it's just too there's just too much invested into it and again it's the forest for the tree thing they miss the big picture you're right about that but the the, the problem is that they're going to take a very simplified issue where people just question the the, the official numbers the six million number they're, they they've taken that and, and people have got to, got their sides and they made a big deal out of it and they made it criminal now to question it and they're just going to take it ad infinitum to if you deny this and deny that and just before I came on tonight 
I saw in the media here in Toronto that some one of our uh, parliamentarians wants to pass a law criminalizing uh, residential school death denialism, which means that if you deny the official number or the official story that the British or the Canadian residential school system for Indians ended up uh, killing a number of them, I don't know, deliberately or by accident or by uh, abuse, then you, that they want to criminalize that. So this is the crazy slippery slope. And I said, well, my whole website is questions everything. So will this whole website be a, deni will this be denialism.com? Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. What they're, they're actually making it the slippery slope thing. They're making it the case in the minds of the public that we need to censor certain information because if we don't, it yes. creates hate and it creates mass shootings. So they created this direct conduit from the internet to the radicalized individual who's radicalized on information and mm -hmm. then their violent actions. They've already done this. They've done it with that shooter Robert Card up in Maine at the bowling alley. Totally fake. But the point of it is, they're like, oh, he, he went into a Twitter bubble and he came out with an AR-15. I mean, that's so unbelievable, but the public believes it. The offense, he sa it says here, we make it an offense to incite hate and promote hate against indigenous people by denying that residential schools happened or downplaying what happened in the institutions. So this doesn't even really make sense. I don't think anyone's denying that there were residential schools where they were trying to bring Native Indians into the British Prussian school system, which all of us uh, would consider these days not the best system for anybody, but that's they weren't doing it to oppress or destroy Indians. They were trying to help them. And um, the whole idea that Many were were killed or injured and then buried on the school lands. This is a big deal that happened in Canada. And I don't even know if I, I don't even I don't even remember hearing anyone questioning the numbers necessarily, but they just want anyone who speaks badly about this to be criminalized, which you know it's crazy. What they're doing is they're creating what I call contemporary myths. Yeah. And then you have secular blasphemies and they're trying to create blasphemy laws and it's becoming more and more religious yeah. and belief and emotion based rather than fact oriented. It's really, it's a bad trend all around. And that's all we do on my site and you on your site. You just question, we just question the stories because I think you said like Socrates, the best place to be is to be a skeptic and the media has lost our trust a long time ago and they they can never win the trust back yeah yeah absolutely i've, I've been talking about the proto skeptics you know like like piero and their skepticism was really a process of suspending judgment until you can know it rather than believing something that might not be true and they said the long-term consequence of this was peace of mind and i think it's by design that the mass media inundates us with agitating propaganda because they don't want peace of mind. I think that we're in mind war and they maintain peace through war, like 1984.
war in our heads. And I'm like, I'm unplugged from the 24 hour news cycle because I think if you're plugged in and you habitually react to every story, you just kind of tacitly give it reality when it may not be real. So in other words, yes, if you're not skeptical, you're going to be flooding yourself with an, with an undue amount of stress, unnecessary level of fight or flight responses and everything else. I mean, I think the media is a drug and it's very toxic. Absolutely. Now, I'm just looking through your minds.com. So you normally do a show every 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 other night, every night for an hour or two. You take caller inners. And we're, well, we welcome all these guys onto uh, tonight's stream. I'll just say hi to some of the many people that you you often do. We see Diana South. Hello. We see Thirst. We see Phantom Detectives. We see Frank Murr. We see Les Go. We see Nico Tramas, Reverse History, Kevin Mooring, D33. Got lots of uh, lots of. Uh, IPS people in the house tonight. Thanks very much. Mango Penguins, Mom with Sons. Yeah, you've got you've got a very loyal crowd that always comes out. John Cordon, I think, is in my channel tonight. Greg Shantz is in mine. Moon Harvest is in mine. And uh yeah. You 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 have a huge crowd. I got somebody here with two eyes. I think I can't see the name. We got uh Phil LeBlanc, Jennifer Reeves, Osher and Mama. You you have a very loyal audience that comes out all the time. It's the raft. The raft. You know how when peng when penguins mass up on the water, they create a raft. And I'm saying that we're on the sea of irrelevance and misinformation. And if we sink up, it's like a raft on top of the sea of irrelevance. And that's kind of how we've been maintaining a continuity here uh, throughout all these different waves of of fake news and everything. But um. Something that I've been pointing out lately, we've been talking about these like ritualistic weird events in the news. And one thing that caught my eye, I don't know if you looked at this one, but it had to do with that hockey player, number 47. Yeah. yeah. Who had his clothes left. Okay. Well, I think there, there's a mirror here. And I put this in my mind's account. So for the people who haven't heard about it, in summary, it's a hockey player named Adam Johnson White gets his throat slashed on the ice by the blade of a black player. Right. And the family cried for justice, and everybody put 47s. On their hats. Now, I didn't really immediately plug it into anything, but I've been studying this because the number 47 on the hat is an interesting symbol. Well, here we are. Um, a couple days ago, Derek Chauvin on Black Friday was stabbed. And so it's interesting because he's 47. So you have a re repetition of a theme with the black on white bloodshed and 47, which are all very much repeated. Uh, numbers and codes that are grouped together and have been for some time. And I think it may tie in to some predictive programming from Super Bowl 47, the blackout bowl. And it may have a serious connotation for the presidency, number 47. Anyway, any thoughts on that? Uh, well, not not really. I think uh, the main thing that Lynn sent us tonight, Lynn at fakeologist.com or Lynn Artell, she was saying that uh, she was looking at the latest news item on independentmedia.uk or whatever the channel is over in the UK and she said she noticed at least two Chauvins so they're two different actors but yeah, um, yeah I find those interesting links that you're talking about black and white um, I wasn't sure like you at the beginning whether the Adam Johnson thing was a real thing at all uh, it looked possible and then I talked to my um 
hockey friends, and they say, oh, yeah, it happens quite a bit that the skate goes up and cuts someone. This seemed quite a bit more deliberate. I didn't uh, really even know that these these uh, these one level down from the NHL players are playing in England. I, I didn't even know about that. So that these are people I've never heard of. You know, I know a few hockey players. So, yeah, it was sort of an interesting story for sure. And uh, you're tying in d- different numbers. That's interesting too. And you said the 47 was mm-hmm. on the on the helmets right away, which is suspicious. Then I think they even have like a one minute moment of silence, and then somebody scores in the 47th minute. Then you had a goalie with his 47 blocks. You had a number of different things that were just a little too much for me to think that this was random. And it reminded me of Demar Hamlin. Yeah. So I was just paying attention to any particular symbolism that might correlate with what we've been seeing. And when the family cried for, quote, justice, yes. that struck me as code, a code word, because justice, um, you know, black and white, balance, it's some kind of a symbolic theme here that's been going on. But stabbing is a big theme right now as well. Yeah. And the, the idea that you look for justice in a hockey game, it doesn't really make sense unless you are trying to politicize it. Where you actually think it's a black on white deliberate action? Uh, for starters, there are there are not that many black hockey players. Period. That that I know. I know there's more than ever now, but in general, they are a tiny representation of all hockey players, as far as I know. So the idea that well, you could get racial in a hockey game or make a an ethnic black and white thing in hockey is is really hard to believe. It's hard to believe, and I saw immediately that a number of right-wing provocateurs who are very closely connected, Lauren Witzke and Stu Peters, jumped on it, yeah. and they they claimed it was a, a racial hate crime. And I don't know if they're being ironic parodies of extremists or what, mm-hmm. but it was thrown out there, and so I, I tend to think the thing was fake. If, if an event is immediately politicized and ritualized and turned into some kind of a like martyr theatrics, I tend to think it's fake. Yeah, I do too. I didn't know if you if you had your jugular or your carotid artery sliced open, would you be able to get up off the ice and skate away? Uh, isn't it rather instant when your blood pressure to your brain drops right away? I know you were in um, decedent transport, so you probably have a little better idea of what are some of the consequences of these really uh, life-threatening injuries? Does it, does it make sense you could get up and skate? Because he, he skated around off the ice with a little help, but would you be able to get up at all? Yeah, I, I kind of don't think so. And, and one more thing, his first season on the ice was 46 minutes and 52 seconds, like very close to 47 minutes. And again, the 47, everyone wearing it on the helmet, wearing it on their hearts, yeah. uh, that harkens back to the 7-4 Parkland High shooting where a guy had a 47 tattooed on his head and he shoots up a 4th of July parade. But that's when Trump started wearing the hat with the 45 plus 47 on it. So oh, really? again, this is the theater who was obsessed with Oswald. So you have a lot of like a subtext here of the central, I guess, attention in America being highlighted here. And it's done in some ritualistic way. And if you get into the weeds with the whole uh, Masonic stuff, the number 47, there's a lot more there as well. So anyway, yeah, I ruled this off as fakeable. And ever since I've been following Jake the A-hole takedowns of the NFL, 
Right. It's becoming increasingly clear. Like, did you see the one where he showed player nine and player 11 just fall for no reason at the same exact time? I actually clipped that. I, I, I'm not watching the NFL stuff that he does because I don't care about NFL and I don't care about gambling and sports. I agree with his conclusions. I usually only watch his uh, two-hour shows where he's just talking in general about fakery because I'm not... I, I, I think it's well established that the NFL is is rigged mainly for gambling. I think that was that was talked about 20, 30, 40 years ago, even on 60 Minutes. So I... I think it's. I think people agree that it is. I don't think it bothers most people. Uh, I think most people in the gambling world understand that. But uh, I did clip the nine and eleven thing anyway because I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. So I'll play it here. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you can you see the screen. Yeah, I can see the screen. Oh, okay, so we'll play it now. Where things get absolutely batshit crazy. All right, you got number nine, and he's doing some blocking, and then you got number eleven. Pay very close attention. Number nine, number eleven, <clears throat> number nine, number eleven. Watch both of them at the exact same time do something very strange. Number 11, no one's even touching him. Now watch this. Goes for a dive. <laughs> what was that? Like synchronized number swimming. Nine and number yeah. 11 just toppled down for no reason. Yeah. Or the Twin Towers, yeah. anyway. Number yeah. 11, nobody's touching him. You know, the, each tower, one tower went down in nine seconds and one went down in 11 seconds. What? The, oh, yeah, that, that. oh yeah, 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 that's that's a thing. They they rounded up to and or down to 10, but it was nine and 11 seconds. Nobody's touching him. And at the exact same moment, watch both of their heads, almost like someone has a remote control. Both these two dudes simultaneously drop to the ground in a very strange way that does not look natural at all. Number nine and number 11. Yeah, he did. This guy, he goes all the way. Touchdown! <laughs> there you Let's go. Let's see what Charger Lady's reaction. Anyway, yeah, that's a good clip. I clipped that out, and I put the show link underneath for you to watch the whole uh, Jake the Asshole YouTube. I've typed Jake the Asshole into YouTube search, and it doesn't come up. Um, interestingly enough, it I'm subscribed to him, so I have to usually go through my subscriptions, but they don't help you find him on YouTube. Interesting. Well, you know, it, I get the idea that there is an immune system within the mass media where they're reacting against people who objectively deny their science. We saw what they did to the internet because of that. Now I'm seeing reactions against auto-hoaxing, this culture of disbelief. But now the new thing is I'm seeing responses to people calling out fake sports. There's some kind of an interaction between people waking up and the liars trying to maintain their lies. And it's becoming increasingly evident that there's, I almost get a sense of desperation at points. I think there is with regards to the whole Israel thing as well. 
I don't know if they've engineered it so all the young people are basically ignoring the whole atrocity propaganda that uh, Israel said Hamas does because the demonstrations en masse around the world, I don't think we can argue with them as fake, um, are pro-Palestinian. So I think the young people, at least the people that go out and make a lot of noise and march, they are not buying the Israeli side of the story. So those people... Not at all. Yeah. Right. And, and the Israeli side is really the only side, apparently, that has the propaganda about what the official story is. Although I think, I think the British and Americans and CENTCOM, they control both sides of the story, the dialectic. But the one that they're pushing hardest is... This is Israel's 9-11. They even tried to pick a, a set of numbers, 10-7, just to try and make that ring in people's ears. I don't think any of that's working, though. Is that just because the young people don't buy it for whatever reason? Yeah, I think that's definitely it. But I think this is by design. Like, I think what they have done is they, they want to have the anti-establishment rallying around something like they did. Mm -hmm. Get, they got them to rally around George Bush. Like Netanyahu's the new Bush. And there have been many parallels. It's an inside job. And they definitely said that 10-7 was the equivalent of 300 9-11s for the Palestinians and 15 9-11s for Israel. Right. They really played up that. I mean, it's just... Yeah. And doesn't that show you... Like, there's a couple narratives that are so important. The, the, the one I harped on and have harped on the most is 9-11. And people always ask, well, why you keep talking about it? And I said, well... Because it's going to be, if you understand 9-11, it unravels everything after that. And of course, before that, really, I guess, was the Holocaust narrative, which uh, really drove the power structure of the world as well. Now, again, I, I didn't really study it the same way, but it's still being talked about to this day. Every day, actually. Every day, Hitler's in the media. Every day, the Holocaust narrative is in the media. You, you just, you can't get away from it. I call those foundational myths. And we have a number of foundational myths that establish the game that we're on, the world stage, alternate reality game, like moon landings, uh, the, the things that really set the, the parameters. Like, for example, fake nukes are a big part of it. 9-11 is a big part of it. Temporary myths, the pillars that hold up this house of cards. I mean, it's really that simple, I think. You break down these big ones, and you can kind of see how bakery is far more widespread. You can see the forest instead of just the individual events. And 9-11 is like a masterclass in fakeology. And I was yeah. actually thinking today that I had to rent an art gallery and do a quote art show, but have every single thing in there, some facet of 9-11 fakery and just make it an exhibit. You know, you have 9-11 memorial museums. You can yeah. have a 9-11 fakery museum, even as a temporary thing. And I'm serious about doing this because oh, yeah, you're into art. Really yeah, you are into art. That's that's your thing. You make you make money selling art. I think the nine eleven museum or a part of it in New York City actually shut down a, a year or two ago. I remember one some aspect of it. It shut down. I don't know if it's because of COVID. Yeah, commented on it. Uh huh. You're like they they shut that down. And then we had that weird incident where a 33 year old fell into the viewing, or rather the the reflection pool in right. one of the towers. And that was right after 9-11 or, or on 9-11. I'm like, what's going on here? Um, it's a never-ending ritual with that thing. But what, I, what we got into recently, I think, is really important, is the fact that there were so many drills going on, dozens of drills, that they 100% had the manpower 
to create a closed movie set for 9-11 and keep any outsiders from seeing it with concealment, smog, and everything else. Like, there was the manpower to run that as a PSYOP. It's just, there are so many coincidences, nobody at this point. Yeah, let me, let me, able to- let me play this. I, I haven't seen this, so thanks for bringing it up. This is the, uh, he's wading into the pool. He's just wading around it, and I think you have to crawl up on the edge. I don't see the water flowing into the pit of uh, whatever that is. Oh, I see. It sort of trickles into it. He lays down. (laughs) And, of course, somebody's videoing it, of course. Are there people up on the edge demonstrating? Or is there something going on? Or is it's hard to tell? Can you see that? Yeah, I guess there's What is at the bottom? What is the at the bottom of this inverted cube? This inverted black cube? Do you know? I think Abaddon. The- <laughs> oh, there he goes. I don't know. What is that? Blood? It's sort of red here. Yeah, it's like he squeezed out some blood. So I don't even know if that's real. Because how did he just start squeezing all? That wasn't explained. Like did he pop his lid prematurely? Okay, that's that's pretty good. Wow, that's uh, I I never saw that. That's craziness. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes if anyone else wants to watch that. Is, the guy's thirty three, and I brought it up because I was debating with this individual who said that the nine eleven jumpers were real, and so I messaged him and I'm like, hey, good news. We found a real 9-11 jumper. Yeah. He didn't die. Yeah, he's a crawler. Yeah, of course he's 33. Did they get his name? Is it... Um, uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, and Dave J pointed out uh, that if you look at the still shot, he actually gets into the hanged man pose. Just oh, like right. Man. Oh, right. Very yeah. good, Dave J. Wow, that's funny. Wow. That's that's another one. So nine eleven is so relevant today. It's so important. They have the same. Um, what do they call those pools where the water drains in? Is it something Masonic? Like there's it, there's some symbolism in all that because that's an inverted black cube, sort of like the Kaaba from Mecca, the inversion of that. Do you, do you know any of the symbolism involved with that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ultimately. I think 9-11 has a lot to do with the idea of the monolith, which is at ground zero, the big giant monolith looking over the Hilton Hotel. And the monolith represents, I believe, the merging of the mass mind with the movie. And in 2001 Space Odyssey, there's this theme of David Bowman merging with the monolith. And I think that what we're witnessing there is probably more of the same, the ritual of uh, the guy going into the pool, going into the abyss. Right. uh, there's something in this, and it has to do with also Revelation 9-11 mm-hmm. references the abyss. So yeah, there's some kind of code in there. It has to do with 33. The Ghosts in the Abyss was filmed at the Titanic by James Cameron, who went down there 33 times, so, and he was there on 9-11. So I've been digging into it. And yeah, I think the thing is totally scripted, and I don't know if that guy was even really truly injured. There's probably some kind of, I don't know, mechanism in there. Yeah, Diana South says, Squib. And Dua Sim Paris says, looking for the bottom in the bottomless pit. He could be there a while. And uh, note the hangman pose with the leg, Diana South. And lots of good comments there. I can't read them all. 
but uh, I don't know. You can read them. Your audio yeah. just just got a little better. Did you tweak something? Yeah, actually, what happened is my my headset died, and so now I'm back on the iPhone speaker. Yeah, the iPhone. Yeah, the iPhone speaker actually sounds better. Okay, great. Well, uh, P. Trippa in here says, "Can you ask Fakeologist his take on AI?" And how it may have been used for the propaganda affecting us, like Maui, COVID, 9-11, anything else? Yeah, I kind of take the No Agenda show take on AI. I don't think it really means anything. I don't think it's at a stage that uh, it can do much other than automate certain things. I'm not quite sure. I know AI is pretty good. I think you, are you using it to make your, your artwork now on your uh, thumbnails? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. In fact, I'm working on a graphic novel. And okay. I'm using it to do all kinds of stuff. It's it's a it's a labor saving device, but it's not sentient in any way. Any more than like an eight ball that you shake is sentient. You know those things that you ask it a question, you shake it. Okay. Um, no, it's just an info aggregating technology that gives the appearance of intelligence. But okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't even think that's the case. But as far as what commenter is talking about, I think there may be some use because these stories are so integrated on so many levels that. Um, th oh, that there's got to be, but as far as there being some kind of like higher mm. power AI, I don't. I don't oh, so that. when they're so so they give a list of of generation factors. So for instance, they'll say use these numbers for the ages, use these scripts for the scripts, um, use these uh, these words that are in the media. So you want to integrate a reality with fakery to give it. Uh, Give it more believability. That kind of AI, you mean? Yeah, absolutely. And okay. Then I, I think I think that could definitely be the case. Um, maybe in terms of how integrated and synchronized it is, but I don't underestimate just the power of controlled media and individuals running the Ministry of Truth. I mean, we're talking about news vendors where they're bending the news ten years in advance. That's plenty of lead time to get things in order. Yeah, Newsbenders is a pretty good clip from the 60s. I put that on uh, FacoTube. Just type in Newsbenders in the search term at the top. And here it is there. It's pretty good. 1968, it says here. I'll put that in the show notes. It's definitely worth watching. That's more... Um... Now, you don't like using the word revelation of the method anymore. You you use something else. Because you... I think that's what you said. Yeah, I... The thing with revelation of the method is this. It's used by people who still think that things are real. So their, th their theory is that the bad guys are going to do bad stuff. But mm -hmm. if they tell us in advance, they get our permission, they're not karmically uh, accountable for it, which yeah. to me is just mumbo jumbo. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that sounds fun. But when you really analyze it, it's, it assumes the events are actually real. And mm -hmm. so it's a major misdirection line. And anybody saying revelation of the method is being spoon-fed mentanol by uh, Infowars. Got it. So that, so that, so we, we shouldn't use the wrong terms. We shouldn't use their terms because it feeds into the myth. So all we're doing is reaffirming and confirming the myth. So we should not exactly. use that term. Oh, I got it. Yeah. The only thing we can honestly say about predictive programming is that it's conditioning conditioning the masses to accept as inevitable whatever extraordinary BS the news presents later. It's as simple as that. It's conditioning and boring neuropathways. Right. And that's why it's so pervasive and it's everywhere. It's not just for 9-11. I mean, everything you watch in the news bent media is truly, I think, if it's mainstream, geared on some level 
towards this singular vision, even if it's just the fact that the movie um, assumes the world as is. You know, there's it's just a built-in bias, what I'd call the consensus bias. They build in, they they have a built-in um, prefabricated worldview that everybody plays on. It's like a fictional universe, is what you would actually call it. Yeah, I, I, so I agree with you. I think um, what it does is you watch it; it creates a neural pathway to acceptance in your brain. So you already are aware of it because you've seen it. You're not quite maybe certain if it's true or not, but that pathway is now in your brain. So the next time it comes down as a fake story, you're more likely to believe it because that that pathway is already cleared in your brain. I think that's exactly what uh, what what it does. And then second, mm-hmm. you've come if you are inundated with this uh, this uh, immersive illusion, and now you believe in whatever bad guy they invented. Then you're in schools where they do drills predicated on this. Yeah. And then you see the news. And so what they're doing is just like the movie The Village. is They're using uh, sort of like hypnotism or suggestibility to implant ideas and implant narratives that they certainly play on later. I mean, it's it's very sophisticated. But I think the point of it is that media is more sophisticated and monolithic than people would, and that's where we need to explore rather than saying dark wizards and revelation of the method and karma. Yeah, if you're doing a school drill once a month and you hear in the media, in the news, that a school shooting happened, you're going to accept it because you're going to think, well, yeah, that's why I'm doing these drills because this is happening all the time and it's really good that I'm going to be ready for it when it comes to my high school. Precisely. And the correlation between drills and then, quote, real events has been very well established. And, you know, isn't it interesting that earlier this year, we had the train wreck in Palestine, Ohio. And Ohio is the heart of it all, which to me is foreshadowing of Israel. You know, the only democracy in the Middle East or whatever. And it's like the heart of it all with this big narrative. And we had a train derailment there where there was a toxic airborne event, looked like a mushroom cloud, which was preceded by a movie with predictive programming attached to it. But anyway, do you think that train wreck derailment in Palestine, Ohio, may have been some sort of predictive programming for 10-7? I don't know, but it did. It does make me think of the... Um, do you remember the video in the Beirut explosion where they blew up the, the port? They said there was thousands of pounds of ammonium, ammonium nitrate. And yeah, everyone yeah. was everyone was was going crazy looking at the video, which was probably fake. But it was a mushroom cloud. There was all kinds of explo- a big explosion that looked like it took all the oxygen out. Maybe I'll try and find that. Do you remember that? I, I think I that do, yeah. I I believe it was on the seventy fifth anniversary of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But yeah. or the same month, like there were two blasts. Yes, for sure. I'm just wondering, uh, do you, yeah, it was, oh, it was 4 October, August 4th, 2020, ammonium nitrate. Isn't that what they said was used in the, the rental vehicle at, uh, Oklahoma City? Was that what Timothy McVeigh allegedly used? Yep. Yep. Okay. And- Here's the disturbing content on the screen. Let's. There are troubling new allegations tonight about that deadly. I want to. I want to. I want to see the explosion because that was that was the big deal. In video from the day of the blast, you can see white flashes, what appear to be fireworks, going off before the massive explosion. Oh, that's the one there. 
<laughs> a former port worker told so the Guardian newspaper. So we have no proof that this is anything other than an Independence Day animation, do we? We don't. That's that's pretty much it. Um, it looks like that too. And, and you know how often do we find stuff where it's like, oh, look, this explosion we're seeing was actually from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Or we've had footage from firing ranges at night broadcast as some kind of uh, military action somewhere else. You know, I'm glad, uh, in a sense, that a lot of people are seeing how much fakery there is. But the problem with it is they still believe half of it, the half that suits their bias. So even though a lot of people are, are seeing through fake news, they're still swallowing a lot of it. So it's, it's hardly progress. It's like uh, two steps forward, three steps back. Yeah, well, the the only good news is the, the generation that believed or still believes in the TV and the moon landings and JFK and, and watching the news in general, they are dying off at, a, at just the normal rate, at least. So they're going away. So that audience that feeds the mainstream media, they're they're dying. So the mainstream media is dying at a at a commensurate rate, at the same rate as they're going away. Yeah, that, that's definitely the case. And that's why I think a lot of what we call controlled opposition is really just uh, damage control and trying to retain people in their big picture. And hey, interestingly, a reverse history mentioned that newsbenders, the big reveal is that after the atom bomb, when they took over the news, it turns out it is being written by some super intelligent computer. Oh, right. Yeah. That twist. Like Hell 9000, I think is the info. The 1968 uh, Hell 9000 is when they first introduced this, I think, this new AI god that they're preparing us for. Uh, uh, James Cameron's a huge part of a huge part of that. Skynet, uh, Pandora. Mm-hmm. This of uh, he even said in a recent article that if there was AI intelligence, it would be using deep fakes to get mankind to destroy himself without destroying the environment. What do you think is going to happen? I'm just looking on the Infinite Plane Mines account. So that that's the best place to see your research that you're going to talk about on your shows. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, this is my stacks. In fact, one of the things here is from yours. It's Jim and Fake Nukes Phil. Yes. Great chat, by the way. Really good chat. Yeah, they have good chats. Fake Nukes Phil is on the cutting edge of at least talking about the fakery in a more, just in a different way than I do, that you do. It, it, at least it's a third voice. Which yes, yes, and he said something really, really, I think, astute here. Mm-hmm. Um, when when the other person was asked, Jim was talking about Maui and lasers, right. and what Bill had said was that is a approved rabbit hole. That's right. And that concept, you know, there are approved rabbit holes for truthers to fall in, yeah. and it gets propagated with the current thing, and I keep seeing people fall for it. That's why I've been saying we need to replace the. Meant the the red pill dupes, the ones who fall for these things with disbelief. That's really what my objective here is because it's pretty bad. Yeah, Jim Rizzoli may have been the one that introduced me to to fake nukes, Phil. I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter. But Jim thinks that the Holocaust narrative is the most important spell to break, and he says he's going to keep doing it every single day. He talks about it and. 
And I always get, I always find that really interesting when, when one person just talks about one topic all day long. That's that's their that's their whole day. That always blows my mind. Where I talk about a huge variety of things. I think you really talk about a huge variety of things too. Do you, could you do? Could you talk about one single thing day in and day out? Do you think? I wouldn't because it becomes a limited hangout. Which what I mean is like. It's well known that when there's a big secret to hide, they will leak a little bit to control the flow of information and know who knows what. Okay. And the entire Holocaust thing is a limited hangout. There's no way you're going to get the truth. Because, and, it, and then it's attached to so much nastiness. Yeah. It's like you can't even wade into that. So I think it's a lost cause in my opinion. I think the bigger thing is to take down the infrastructure of media in people's minds and mediation itself rather than focusing on any specific event. And they've criminalized it in many countries. Germany especially. It's it's actually ludicrous when you follow what Germany and how they've criminalized it. Now, I know Germany is occupied by America. America runs Germany, and they're using it just to keep beating down on the Germans. I get that, and I feel bad for the Germans. But the idea that it's criminal is 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 just laughable it should be very laughable to an american especially with yeah, soko shouldn't we respect the right to be wrong like yeah. if we don't have wrong answers out there we don't have a basis for comparison to know why right is right that's right you need you need wrong to be right <laughs> you do and you need to know the difference and this is what i think the crux of it is they want the masses to be incapable of knowing the difference between real and fake, wrong and right. They just want them to get the right answers downloaded into their heads. No discernment necessary. I think you're right about that. That's, that's, that's a pretty deep philosophical point right there, if people understand that. This is so 1984. Um, I think I heard someone on some podcast today that was arguing why 2 plus 2 equals five, can equal five because two plus two equals four is somehow hateful or racist. Like, like everything they disagree with, the, the, these people, these Marxists, whatever you want to call them, these communists, that everything they disagree with, they call hateful. And hateful is such a broad, amorphous, nonspecific, impossible to prove term. We really have to get it out of our, our language before it becomes cancerous almost or or just yeah. takes over the whole our whole system i think they've introduced the word hate as sort of a secular replacement for evil because this is sort of a religious thing and it's got a lot of emotions and beliefs and they need evil and evil people and i think hate is an invented term the way they've used it and yeah it's very nebulous but they've weaponized it and yes. people accept like, oh a hate crime is even worse because of uh and i understand some mentality here with their with the idea of protecting minority groups but this is not about protecting minority groups this is about the hate the term hate being defined by one faction and so they automatically say everything you say on your side is hate i'm pretty it's sure i'm pretty sure the um the federal government in the united states is the one that has invented hate the hate crime and they want to overlay it on top of the regular criminal justice system. So, for instance, I don't know anyone that kills someone necessarily that loves them. So, you know, you could call 
some murder is a crime of passion, you know, a man kills his wife kind of thing. But if they add, he, he went and murdered two people and because he hated them, we are now adding another federal indictment. So then that gives the federal government the ability to take over the case and take it out of the, the normal process where you are judged and convicted by a jury of your peers. Instead, no, the big brother in the form of the federal government is going to take away the case and take over and just rule it hateful and then basically just put you in flow max or super max and, and, and memory hole you. Yeah, I think you're right because what they're doing is they're, eroding the presumption of innocence. That's right, yeah. Oh, oh, he's got a manifesto. He's full of hate. Therefore, he's guilty. It's like, no, you haven't been proven guilty in the court of law. There's been no discovery. You have eyewitnesses on TV. You have the mass media treating this as the court of public opinion as like a lynch mob. And they rush to judgment. Mike, I'm sorry, but this is, I think it's all just part of getting us accustomed to the elimination of the presumption of innocence and accepting of collective guilt. Which yeah, is a huge thing. absolutely. That, this is why I put this funny clip from um, Johnny Carson from 1964, where he had this famous uh, lawyer on. And it was just a really interesting clip because this is the way law used to be or should be. Or I, mean, I know people today don't have any concept, I guess, of how law is supposed to work. And listen to what this lawyer says to Johnny. Good evening, Counselor. I always hear that they say that on television all the time. <laughs> no, counselor. Sam Benedict sure they don't. They don't say that. Why do they always say it was other serious? Counselor all the time. Yeah, lawyers talk to each other that way? No. Oh, you ought to hear lawyers talk to each other. <laughs> this is a most fascinating book. As I mentioned to you briefly in a, in a little time we had to say hello before the program, uh, I get probably... 30 or 40 books a month from people who appear on the show, and most of you don't have a chance to, to really look through. You look some of the highlights. And I set up the last two nights with this book and uh, called A Reasonable Doubt and got so fascinated. I guess the lay people who don't know much about the workings of the law, this, this is all fascinating. I'm glad you like what you do. Most interesting. One statement you had in here, it says, when you, when you um, are defending somebody, you say the first thing that you tell them is never... Plead guilty. Never plead guilty. Every man's entitled to a trial. He's presumed to be innocent until the contrary is proved to a moral certainty beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's his right under the law, and he ought to avail himself of that right. So never, never plead never guilty. guilty. Let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. What is your name? What is your name? I refuse to answer. No. Uh, my name is uh, Johnny Carson. Uh, how do you know that to be your name? Well, it's uh, on a birth certificate. Legally That's recorded. That's hearsay. That's hearsay? Of course. Well, I mean, if it's legally recorded, that's still hearsay. Suppose uh, you were born, and I must assume that you were born because you're here tonight with us. Uh, uh, there's a certificate made out not by you, certificate made out by somebody else. That a boy child was born to Mr. and Mrs. Carson and that he was named Johnny. <laughs> that doesn't mean that you know that to be the fact. That means you have read that to be the fact. Right? Yeah, I see what you mean. In other words, I only have to go by what is, is recorded. You're pleading guilty to something that you don't know of your own knowledge. 
In other words, I should have said, I, uh, if somebody asked me who I am, I say, I plead not guilty. <laughs> anyway, I just want to point that out. So you, so he called that hearsay, and you say one of your terms in that you talk about all the time is say. So I thought that was a really good point that for anyone that doesn't know about the uh, presumption of innocence. Which, yeah, it's key. Our whole legal system is based on presumption of innocence. And the media faces that, and they call the person the shooter. They, they throw in alleged sometimes, yeah. but bigger inference is like, this is what we know. And I say say because, you know, hearsay is not admissible as evidence in court. Yeah. And, and people look at something on the screen. And look, I saw on the screen, India landed on the moon. And I can go say, yeah, they landed on the moon. Well, to me, that's the equivalent, the visual equivalent of hearsay. So say is a new concept. And as soon as I coined it, the DHS started something called say Day. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Say Day was a hashtag. And I was like, wait a minute. The DHS just stole that from us. And they said, it's if you see something, say something. So here we are, the true counterterror, the true anti-terrorism in this mind war. And our terminology is appropriated by DHS, the ones who staged the big fake events. September 25th is Say Day. I can't even believe that. Yeah, we got a holiday for one of our autohooks terms. <laughs> <laughs> that. Oh, that's powerful. Well, you know that they're paying attention to your show for sure because you, you just have such a, a a good overview of the way things are working. And, and and you have to know that you're doing the intelligence agencies a service because they're honing their message thanks to you. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like listening and I'm like, you know what? Whoever purchased all those like like rubber fake dead people, they listen to our criticisms. Yeah. And they... They can like, hey, look, if somebody's dead, their eyes need to be open because they haven't been glued shut yet. Listen to this. And they, they are probably improving their game because of us, which is, uh, I don't know, it's a double-edged sword here. You know, telling the truth and giving away what we know. But Well, Fake Nukes Phil was uh, showing a video where one of the fathers was kissing the open eye of the rubber doll. And I thought, oh my goodness, they've already honed that thanks to you explaining it's ridiculous. They had to make sense of it. And did you see that clip? Yeah, it's disgusting. And the fact of it is, these dolls are designed to be surgical, meaning they can simulate where you can actually extract bullets. You can intubate them. They bleed. Wow. And they have I think yeah, bleeding is a big one with these these things. They can actually bleed and their eyes can blink. So they're they're pretty much animatronic, hyperrealistic surgical training dolls. And the babies, the real babies, I think they're called. I watched, I posted a whole video on that on FacoTube. They are unbelievably realistic. And there's just, there's clubs and all kinds of uh, birthing and nursing schools that use these babies. It's, it's, it's also off the charts realistic. It's the fake industrial complex. Um, I think Phil and... Jim, we're talking about this, and he's like, well, those things are super expensive. And it's like, well, look. Oh, yeah. Look at the they're spending on bombs, on missiles. Yeah, this on, is nothing, yeah. They have a huge slush fund. You think they can't pay for special effects? And then they filmed the movie World War Z out there, which happened to be playing downtown as soon as 10-7 kicked off. And I was watching it, and I'm like, wait, why is World War Z showing right now? And it had this subtext about Israel and Gaza. 
and let Palestinians in, causing the zombies to break in. So, in other words, they have money and props oh, all yeah. over. You can't oh, yeah. separate the news from Hollywood. It's it's a part of a continuum. Oh, well, yeah, the military budget is makes the United States the most socialist country in the world, where the government prints money. They pretend they send it to um, an ally, and they. I don't think the money even goes to the Ukraine. It just goes directly to the defense or the war contractors in the United States. It's the the only industry left in the United States, I believe, for national they security. They can't. They can't let it go overseas for national security. Anything important, they just label national security. Think about the NASA slush fund. Mm -hmm. You know they're not spending it on special effects. No. That money be going somewhere. Well, I think I had a caller from uh, the Detroit area, and he was saying back in the Henry Ford days of the Willow Run uh, car plant, when they, when they switched over to... Uh, creating stuff for the war. I can't remember if it was planes or what it was. Uh, half, if they ordered a boatload of material, half of the boatload went out the back door, and the other half was used for the manufacturing. So they were just, they were just stealing money, supplies, and goods blind, <laughs> right at the right at the point of uh, manufacture. Well, if people don't know why we care. Like, mm -hmm. why does it matter if they're faking space? Yeah. Well, here's a reason malfeasance to the tune of billions of dollars a day. Like, maybe we ought to care about that. Yeah. Well, I don't think we do care because on September 10th, 2001, Donald Rumsfeld said we're missing $2.3 Now, even if that is not true, you know, $2.323, uh, it, it just shows that nobody cares because it was never really talked about again. And you could say, oh, because 9-11 happened. Well... I think it was sort of a, just a test. Is what if he said two point three quadrillion dollars were missing? Would that make a difference? <laughs> it's just you desensitized to it. Yeah, absolutely. So that and, just uh, proves people don't care about the money because they, I guess, they can't comprehend it. It's a big picture. Mm -hmm. It really is a huge picture, and and here we are, a small group of independent thinkers on the subject and, yeah. and meet. Critics, and that's why one of the things I think um, that I'm looking forward to is just amassing more and more people who have stepped off of the world stage as they define it, because it's it's just to me it's it's a destruction of reality. They've obliterated objectivism, objective reality for the common person. It's pretty remarkable what they've done, actually. All right. Do you see any comments you want to reply to in the chat there? Um, I'm just scrolling through now. Um, Let me take a look here. Uh, anyway, yeah. Thanks again for having me on. Um, I'm going to be back into my yeah. regular rotation here in a few days. Oh, really? Okay. You were uh, knocked off the air somehow, some way. Yeah, I fell behind. I had to. I, I, I think I was just over investing into the legal stuff, and I fell behind on the internet, and I didn't catch up on time. Which is, to me, it's just small business as usual. It's not a censorship thing. It's just small businesses like that. And so I'm kind of catching up, but I will be caught up in about a week. And after that, I'm going to be launching the, the paper, mm -hmm. which is going to be, it's going to be a, a huge plus for what we're doing. And it's hard to overstate it, but I'm just going to wait till people have it in their hands. It's a, a new level because we're going into the meat verse and creating a newspaper of record 
for auto hoaxers, fakeologists, and I'm going to have a calendar in there mm-hmm. so you can have it on your wall and I'll have all the various hoaxes and the hoax dates and everything else. Okay, so you're going to actually mail that out or are you going to go to the street corner and try and sell it? Because I thought newspapers were dead. Uh, newspapers may be dying in a sense, but it's kind of created a vacuum and an opportunity and prices are super low when it comes to going into print. And what I'm creating here is actually a, as a hybrid a freemium version, and it's going to be distributed through my press pass carriers. But every article, every link will have QR codes so that you can listen, download, and it sort of in a way that it's reciprocal. It exists online, but then also in the paper format. But it's going to be distributed through the dozens and dozens of uh, press pass carriers, and then I'm going to have it sold through my store as well. Okay, interesting. That's an interesting tact. One thing about you, you're always trying something different. The one thing I thought was a great idea about a year ago, I don't know if you ever were able to do it, is to get the audio on a radio station. I thought that was a great idea, only to the point that I don't even know if people listen to the radio anymore. That's the only problem. Yeah, actually, um, these are all things that have just been really waiting for a working capital, but I have established some things. And there are some markets where you can pay for a time slot, let's say on a Friday night. Oh, I know. And, I was on and, a show. The guy in, um, oh, where is it? Uh, Santa somewhere near San Francisco. He had me on his show and he pays 300 bucks for the hour every week. And he is somewhere near San Francisco broadcasting on AM. It's and, worth it. I mean, if you can hit 50,000 people per quarter hour and get a few new callers, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's to me it's it's the best form of advertising just breaking into new markets in that way and uh yeah so i have plans for expanding into the meat first which we've been talking about uh, for some time and this tabloid thing is actually a project that i've been developing for years just haven't been able to launch it but over time uh, everything is improved and it's unbelievably easy to get into print and i think it's being sorely neglected by truthers who are very vulnerable to being deleted digitally yeah And think about this. Mm -hmm. We have every single article linked to a downloadable counterpart on archive.org. I mean, it's it's basically uh, independent of any of these platforms, which is another huge part of it. Does archive.org censor? I don't think they do. And if if they do, I'll just basically, it'll either be that or it'll be something um, that I control myself. But in other words, the content accessible through the paper will not be... um, resulting in dead links later, which is so often the case when you rely on these platforms. Yeah, well, that's why I use my own blog, fakeologist.blog, fakeologist.com, because it's my own data, I own it. And of course, I guess somehow, some way it could get censored off, but for the most part, uh, it's been intact and all the links work. And I go back at least 11, what is it, 2002? 12, so 11, 11 years right now. So that's uh, quite an accomplishment. It really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really. I, th- I think it's worth having your own platform. I don't even trust Substack. I know everyone loves Substack right now because they give you the space, they collect the money. I wonder what, I don't, what, I wonder what cut Substack takes of the money. I wouldn't trust them. Yeah. I, I love Substack, but it's just too good to be true. And it's probably going to be the case that some terrorist or somebody, somebody, doing a man, something. yeah, a manifesto will go up. Yeah. Yep. 
exactly. They'll take that down too. Yeah. So I'll uh, I'll just stick to my own blog and my own donation page, and as long as the payment processors don't go down and uh, get woke or get uh, choke me off, uh, I still think it's the best way. So for your site, what's the best website to go to right now for you? And when will you be back on? Uh, InfinitePlainSociety.com is always the best. And that's because you get the newsletter and you'll get notifications. Today's the 26th. Mm-hmm. I will be back on uh, by the 1st. It just depends on what my Kindle royalties look like. But it'll be within the next three or four days. And uh, we'll be back. And when we're back on, I'm kind of leaning towards um, doing more of a morning show and then evening show, either same day or alternating. But I want to also start reaching out to the early birds because it's like a, it's a whole different group. And of course I wanted to do this before. So I'll be more engaged here um, after the next few days, but thanks for having me on because it's been kind of a, you know, a dark spot here. Yeah, well, for sure. And if next week, if you're, if you're not, what is it? uh, The 26th. So December 1st is a Thursday. So if you're still dark uh, next uh, next Sunday, come back on and just give everyone an update. That'll be fine. You're always welcome here. I'm a patron of uh, your server, and uh, you you are looking, I would assume, like I am for value for value people to support and pay for good information. Yeah. Uh, the other day, somebody accused me of being sponsored by Pfizer, Bill Gates, ADL. Wow. PLC. And it's like, no, I'm sponsored by fellow auto hoaxers, basically. That's pretty much it. And so everything that people invest here, whether it's money or uh, chats and comments and links and ideas, it's all valuable. It all goes to the same place. But we're definitely supported from within. Uh, There's no expectation of any kind of monetization on these platforms. It's a trap to fall into reliance on that, which is why I'm moving into print. I don't want to be reliant on any subscription from any of these platforms. So anyway, thanks for having me on again. And I'll put a link in my newsletter to send people to uh, FACOTube and, and your site, your links as well. Yeah. Other link. All right. No problem. And people need to support independent content. If Tim was being uh, paid by all these different sources, I don't think he'd be uh, dark right now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of obvious that uh, he needs support and he needs people to participate in keeping the lights on that's not much of an ask and if you can give a a starbucks coffee which is about seven or ten bucks right now with a tip in to support independent media then that will go a long way it'll help him more than it helps starbucks so yeah all right tim thank you for joining and uh, we'll wrap it up here okay great i'll be listening have a great evening thanks again. all right thanks there goes Tim Osman, and uh, I'm only going to do about an hour tonight because uh, I usually only do an hour anyway on the FAK shows, so we'll wrap it up here. I was supposed to have um, Joseph Atwell on, but he said he's sick, even though he did a show yesterday. Mm-hmm. I guess he got ill overnight, but that's fine. I do. I did post his video caesar's messiah he said he didn't do the video he did collaborate with it but someone else did it so if you go to facotube.com it's a really interesting video i know the uh, bible believers may not like it uh, but i put it up here somewhere where the heck is it oh here it is on page one i gotta go on page one on facotube here caesar's messiah 
The Caesars, the Flavians, invented Jesus. And he has a really compelling case. Now, of course, this has been out for a long time. I interviewed him 10 years ago. I just wanted to do a follow-up with him and see how things are going. He's getting in his mid-70s, so that's uh, a dangerous time. Sort of hitting the average lifespan of the average American, which is in decline. So I thought I'd have him back on. Check check this out. It's a pretty good interview that uh, they talked to a number of historians that agree with them. So take a look at that. And look at this uh, pretty good clip about CNN faking it with David Letterman. You can see here, I put the last two really good IPS shows here. So have a listen to them. And uh, thanks everyone for joining. Thanks for the donations. I got a couple small donations, but it doesn't matter. Big or small, we'll take them all. Christine chucked in nine bucks. Suzanne, three bucks. LSP, 77 bucks. Tracy, 91 bucks. So, you know, you guys are helping keep FacoTube up. It costs a couple hundred bucks a month to keep FacoTube going. It's video. And that's just with, uh, well, we got 7,000 videos. And those are just ones I've put up for the most part. We can't be bit shoot. There's no way I'm going to run a bit shoot and have millions of videos. That would cost tens of thousands of dollars, if not 100,000 a month. So we just put up our favorite videos, make it easy for you so you can sift through them and check them out we even got these short videos up here at the top these are the short videos that show up take a look at them and uh, don't forget our blog fakeologist.blog fakeologist.com forward slash blog and don't forget fakeologist.tube that's fakeotube fakeologist.tube i registered that one as well and uh yeah independent media value for value you gotta support media that you're consuming and i'm sure all you regular ips listeners viewers i'm pretty sure you guys support financially ips so i'm pretty sure you guys know what i'm talking about if you want to see ips keep going make sure you support them a buck or two a month that's all that's not even that much you better up it to 10 bucks with inflation now because I don't think a buck buys you anything, not even a cup of coffee here in Canada anymore. So make it 10 bucks a month. Up, up your game, people. You know, uh, you know what you have to do. Okay, tomorrow is Monday. If you go to fakeologist.com forward slash live, you'll see our schedule. Oh, tomorrow is Viking Helga. She's a wonderful woman from Brazil with a German background. She's just going to tell us a little bit about what she's doing. She's been on the audio chats, but I know a number of people don't go to the audio chats, so we're going to have her on for an hour tomorrow. She's got a very lovely speaking voice, and she's got a lot of interesting ideas about disconnecting from the, the beast, the monster, whatever you want to call the system we're in. So have a listen to her tomorrow. That's around 8.30. I'll probably start a little later. Tomorrow around 8.30. I can't guarantee the exact time, but just show up. If you want text alerts on your phone, just send me a text at 810-666-1984-902-400-1984. Email me at ima at fakeologist.com. Just send me your phone number, and you will get a text alerts. They do work. Only in North America, though. I can't go outside. I don't have the facility. Otherwise, if you're outside, go to fakeologist.com 
And actually, send me an email, and I'll add you to the the blog email. Go to facotube.com, subscribe to the Fakeologist channel, and you will get an email. And they are working. Everything seems to be working right now. Knock on wood. All right, guys. Thanks for joining. And we will see you tomorrow at sometime during the day. Take care, or the evening, 8.30. Take care, bye-bye.